somewhere between sleeping and waking. On our journey towards the unfathomable deep, there comes a thin moment when we have one foot in the waking world and the other is in that other world where we relinquish conscious control. Pausing here and straddled between two planets that spin against each other like gears, an attentive traveller will see a narrow door only wide enough to sidle through. This is the border of sleep, a tumbling cascade of imagination and reality, a fault line in the tectonic crust of consciousness where volcanoes erupt the hot pumice of images and the languid ooze of narrative. Welcome to Stories from the Borders of Sleep, a fortnightly podcast of fairy tales for all ages from bordersofsleep.com, featuring original stories by your host Seymour Jacklin. Visit bordersofsleep.com to find out more. So, if you're ready to travel with me, then I shall begin. Water in the Desert by Seymour Jacklin I had solved the problem of keeping my vegetable patch irrigated by the judicious use of harvested rainwater. Congratulations! Oh yes! Congratulations for the foresight and aptitude, is that a word, of employing the services of one of our best irrigation experts. It had been worth every penny. This spindly, ginger-haired man with his moustache that seemed to be fixed and immovable in space while his face moved about it, had stood in his tweed jacket and breeches, surveying my little vegetable patch sniffily just a week ago. He had the air of a man who can quietly find fault with everything, but prefers to brew it within himself and feed off the heady fumes of his superiority in all things than to give advice. He was just the sort of person I needed. For a price, he would let you know what he was thinking. That was on Wednesday. On Thursday, I installed the water butt to collect rainwater from the garage roof. He was back on Friday with detailed drawings and calculations for the network of pipes that would carry the water to every corner of the allotment and deliver it neatly, drip by drip, to the thirsty plants. Over the weekend, I laid the pipes and was so excited to try out the system that I filled the butt from a hose and switched the whole system on. On Monday, it rained heavily and the water butt overflowed. It was just this sort of capricious behaviour in the climate that I was hoping to offset with my irrigation system. Everything seemed to be going well, but today my irrigation expert was back, sniffing once again at my vegetable patch, but with a glint in his eye that betrayed some satisfaction in a job well done. Your main tap is turned up too high, he said. You don't want to drown the plants, you want to give them just enough, a few drops a day. If you give them more than they can use, that water will just disappear and be wasted. I was about to ask him how he would prefer to be paid, when I saw him stiffen suddenly, fixing his eyes on the far side of the allotment. I followed his gaze and saw a short, dark man in Middle Eastern dress like a sleepwalker who's wandered out in his nightshirt, standing with folded arms and looking solemnly at the ground in front of him. I had never seen this man before and wondered how he had got into my garden. Can I help you? I asked, letting an interrogative edge into my voice. 
He didn't respond immediately, but continued to survey my pipes for a moment before looking straight at me. Very good, he said slowly. But why don't you come with me and I'll show you how to water the desert and make it green with life. In my right ear there was the sudden sound of a small explosion as the irrigation expert spat out a derisive PAH! Don't listen to him, he's a fraud. You know this man? I know of him, but I'm very glad not to know him. He's a troublemaker and a defector from the respectable practice of irrigation consultancy. I looked from one man to the other. My irrigation expert, pale and clipped with fierce eyes and a little bit of spittle clinging to the side of his mouth, and the Middle Eastern man looking slightly tussled with a six o'clock shadow and a hint of friar tuck in his face. Keeping his arms folded and rocking back slightly on his heels, the friar looked straight at me again and said playfully, Come with me, my friend, bring your pipes, and we'll go and bring life to the desert. In my mind's eye, I glanced from my vegetable patch with its perfect array of irrigation pipes to an oasis in the desert bursting with life and defying the dryness in the sand that... that looked good to me. I bent down and picked up a length of pipe from the ground. You're a fool, said the thin man, and something in me seemed to snap, as if on a deeper level I'd been profoundly irritated by the thin man's attitude and comportment and the feeling had finally found its way to the surface. Driven by my own newfound fury, I began to gather the pipes into my arms, tearing them up as quickly as I could. As I clawed up the pipes, I was surprised to find sand, not soil, gathering under my fingernails. When I straightened up, the scene had completely changed. I was standing on a hot, flat, yellow desert, with the air as still as a crypt and the sky broader than the sea from east to west. We were three surreal figures standing, without casting a shadow, as if we'd been cut out of a magazine's thin pages and pasted there. I was reminded of a story I'd heard from an anthropologist who was making his way into the desert in search of the Bushmen. He was met by a man driving out of the dunes like a maniac, who stopped momentarily to lean out of his Land Rover and shout, Don't go in there! It's an awful place! To the settling dust in his wake, the anthropologist mused, The great emptiness within cannot bear an even greater emptiness without. From the ample folds of his shirt, Friar Tuck produced a brass object, about the size of his head, and placed it on the ground at his feet. It resembled a fire hydrant with six wide-mouthed taps facing outwards like stubby wheel spokes. We all stared at it and it glinted back at us. This is a fountain, he explained. Attach your pipes and lay them out on the sand. Ignoring the derisive snort from the irrigation expert who had teleported with us, I set out to work straight away, first attaching six pipes to the fountain and paying them outwards. To my horror, as I laid the pipes out, I noticed they were full of long gashes, as if they'd been slashed lengthwise with a knife. At the same time, the irrigation expert saw fit to point this out with a note of triumph. They're useless, he declared. I looked hopelessly at Friar Tuck, who made no comment, but walked over to the snarling ginger man and took him by the arm. You had better come and stand over here so you don't get wet, 
he said, then called back over his shoulder. Don't worry about the pipes, they'll be fine, and don't bother to lay them out so carefully. Just hurry up and get them down there. I was very self-conscious, and sure that the hunch of my shoulders gave away how discouraged I was feeling about the whole thing. Caught between these two men, meekly obeying orders, for want of anything else to do, on some sort of fool's errand and a long way from my beloved vegetable patch. I emptied my arms of the pipes and stepped back. They lay haphazardly at my feet, covering much the same surface area as my little vegetable patch had. The short man strode over to the fountain, his shirt flapping in the breeze of his own movements, like the only other living thing for miles. As he turned the taps on, one by one, the pipes came alive, swelling and uncoiling. Before my eyes the gashes sealed, as if healed by the water running through them. The first glitter of water appeared and grew steadily in hundreds of tiny arches like a crystal cathedral rising from the sand. At first the water disappeared as soon as it hit the ground but the sand began to darken where it was wet. Then, like a cascade of events, one tumbling into the other, I saw the first signs of growth. Where the water had darkened the desert, I saw hints of green, thousands of tiny shoots of grass pushing upwards. I gasped and looked at the two others. Answering my unspoken question, the short man said, The seeds were always there under the surface, waiting. The irrigation expert shuddered in disgust. Ridiculous, he spat, and strode off as if he had somewhere else to go, although there was nothing to distinguish one direction from another. His diminishing figure was quickly swallowed up in the wavering heat on the horizon. I looked back to the ground, where a variety of plants were unfolding their leaves like a time-lapse movie of growth before my eyes. Palm trees bushes, little rivulets, patches of lawn and clumps of flowering plants. Turn up the fountain, said my remaining companion gently. I stepped through the falling spray and turned the taps up one by one and the water burst out over an even greater distance. Wherever it fell I saw the same effect on the sand. The man and I were now standing in an oasis and he was chuckling again with glee. Would you like to taste the water? I put my head under one of the cascading arches and let it fall into my open mouth. My whole body seemed to explode with refreshment. It was a water of such satisfying sweetness that I had never tasted. In the same instant my thirst was quenched with a single mouthful, but my appetite awakened so that I wanted to do nothing but stay and drink there for the rest of my days. Then the laughter came from me too. It felt as if the other man was laughing through me and it felt as if I was just five years old and dashing through our garden sprinkler determined to get as wet as possible. In our hilarity we danced a ridiculous hoedown like a couple of old prospectors who'd struck gold, laughing with our mouths wide enough to engulf the sky. I had the impression that in the midst of our crazy jig, underneath the palms, the man grabbed my arm and swung me round three times. Suddenly, I was back in my vegetable patch, dizzy and dripping, the scene around me still lurching slightly as I regained my balance. The first thing I noticed as my giggling subsided was that the man had disappeared. Then I saw the tomatoes. 
They were as fat as two clenched fists, dragging the vines downward with their weight, not just one or two, but ten to a stem. If I hadn't known the layout of my garden so well, I would have thought that I was somewhere else, but this was home all right. Grown beyond all my hopes, the runner beans hung down to the ground and the squashes lay like fat sunbathing creatures underneath their leaves. My cabbages had grown to architectural proportions and the courgettes lay in rows like an array of ammunition. Wonder of wonders. There were no pipes to be seen. But the water butt was somewhere under a curtain of peas. I pushed them aside. It was then I saw that the water butt was cracked from top to bottom and every precious drop had flowed out on the ground and given life abundantly. I will never forget that day as long as I live. The soundtrack for this week's story was from the album The Lost Mode by Annette Bauer and available from magnitune.com. Many thanks to Magnitune artists and to my sound engineer, Tim Wiles. I'll be back soon with another story and in the meantime you can visit bordersofsleep.com for more. <laughs>